Good evening. Happy Good Friday. It's a day for us to remember and rejoice. Yes, rejoice. We rejoice in Good Friday in what our King did. Our King, King Jesus Christ, died for our sin as we sung uh, this evening. We are going to see that from uh, Matthew chapter 17 for a few minutes. Our text for this evening is from Matthew chapter 27, sorry, chapter 27, starting from verse 27 to 31. Matthew chapter 27. Chapter 27 of the Gospel of Matthew is filled with kingship ideas. You find, you find it all over the place. Not only this chapter, but the whole book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew is filled with this theme. As we all know, as we all know, this world has seen a lot of kings and rulers. Many wars and battles had been fought among these kings. History tells us about a person, a ruler by the name of Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world in his time. When Alexander III or Alexander the Great of Macedonia died in Babylon, at just 32 years old, he ruled a territory spanned three continents and covered nearly 5 million square kilometers. 5 million at the age of 32. Not only was he the king of his native Macedonia, but he was also the rulers of the Greeks, the Persians, and even an Egyptian pharaoh. But but these achievements or success and reign didn't come out of the blue. Many had died for Alexander to be great. Many had taken cruel beatings and lashings for their king. The kingdom was built upon people's corpse. Alexander's kingdom is great because of the suffering of his people. But... But there was a king far better than Alexander or any other king, for that matter, a king of the Jews, the king of this world. This king took an opposite way to that of Alexander the Great and other earthly kings. He was the one who took the beatings and the lashings, not his people. He was the one who died in the place of the people. He died to make his people great. That is what we see in chapter 27 of Matthew, starting from verse 27. Our passage for today is from Matthew, a suffering king. Let me read the text for you. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeled before him. They mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Let him away to crucify him. Okay, what, what is happening in chapter 27? 
Matthew, the writer of this book or this gospel, tells us that Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples to be put to death, Judas. The Jewish authorities put charges of blasphemy against them and judged him. They took him to Pilate, the governor, to sentence him to death. Even if Pilate wanted to release him, they insisted on his crucifixion. Despite Pilate knowing the innocence of Jesus, he let them put him to death because of some political reasons. The Jewish authority used blasphemy as a reason for his death, and the Romans used the name King of the Jews as a justification for their gruesome killing. They were just saying he was a rebel. But, but both Romans and Jewish authorities knew that the man was innocent. The Roman soldier gathered the whole battalion, it's around 600 men, before him to mock and beat him. Through their action, we observe their mindset about the proper presentation of a king. They were saying that this is how a king should look like. The view of kingship in the mind of the Jews was no different from that of the Romans. So this is chapter 27. Let's try to see the text in two sections. The first one, the king that they expected the king they expected. And the second part, we will see the king that was given. Let's see our first point, the king they expected. In our text here in Matthew chapter 27, we see how the Romans see king and kingship. When they saw their king or Caesar, that is, that is if they had the chance to see him at all, he was always wearing a fine purple robe on his back with a beautiful crown on his head. It is also easy for them to notice a reed on his right hand to show his power and might over, over the country. A man with a great army who can defend his integrity. This is the proper way a king should dress. That's a king they know. But this man, but this man, he doesn't even look like one of the soldiers. They are long to be a king. Instead of having soldiers to fight for him, he has soldiers mocking him. This is the king of the Jews. This was also the view of Herod the governor. If you remember Herod the governor, he wanted to see the king of the Jews. He wanted to see Jesus so eagerly, and he was hoping to see some sign by him. He was so eager to see him. But when he finally sees Jesus, he didn't see the, the greatness that he was expecting. Luke tells us that Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. He clothed him with splendid clothing to mock him for his claim to be the king. That great Jesus was not that great for him. They all expected a king with a good stature, not a king as Isaiah described. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire. The expectations of the Roman soldiers, the expectation of Herod was not like this. 
The expectation of the Jews, for that matter, was no different. They anticipated a king that comes with great power, leading an army of thousands to deliver them from their foreign rulers. They, like the Romans and like Herod, expected a ruler that has soldiers to defend himself and his kingdom. We see that on this chapter. Go to verse 41. Verse 41 of Matthew chapter 27. It says, The chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him. Their own king, they mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. We will believe him. Let this king defend himself and we will believe in him. The king should be able to defeat others, not be defeated. They rejected him as their king, as their ruler. The passion of Christ is recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's something outstanding on the account of John about this story. John was talking about Pilate. John in chapter 19 shows even if Pilate repeatedly addressed Jesus as the king of the Jews, they rejected him. Let me show you. Chapter 19, verse 14. Pilate said, behold, your king. What was their response? Away with him. Verse 15, again, Pilate says, Shall I crucify your king? What did they answer? What did they answer? We have no king but Caesar. Caesar, the oppressor. They chose Caesar. They rejected Jesus' kingship as they rejected Jesus' kingship in Old Testament, God's kingship. But Pilate, Pilate is not done. He continually addresses Jesus as a king. Let me, let me read starting from verse 19, John 19, 19. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Verse 21. So the chief priests, the Jews, said to Pilate, do not write the king of Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. He is your king, you have to accept it. They do not want Christ as their king. They wanted a king with a crown of gold, not a crown of thorns. They desired a king who kills, not a king who dies. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Pilate, Herod, the Roman soldiers all expected a king who's glorious, a king wearing a purple robe with a standing crown, with a reed on his right hand. But, but the king should wear the crown of thorns. The king should suffer to save his people. That was God's plan for the king of the Jews. That's the second part, the king that was given. Second part of our passage, the king that was given. It is, it is very amazing to see that the Romans soldiers were unknowingly showing the fulfillment of Old Testament 
prophecies by depicting Jesus as a king who is mocked and spit upon. They didn't know a king that is destined to suffer. Matthew is trying to show us that the prophecies about the suffering, the suffering servant and the suffering king are being fulfilled here. Isaiah tells us the elected king of God is the suffering servant. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 to 3. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This is the king that you should wait for. This is the king that was promised to Israel. This is the king of the Jews. Jesus acknowledged this truth. He knew that the king must suffer and lay down his life to his people. He knew the king must wear the crown of thorns. That's why when the soldiers beat him, mock him, and make him wear items to humiliate him, yet he opened not his mouth. The king should suffer. He should suffer. That's a promise. That's a prophecy that was given in Old Testament. The king should die to save many. But it begs the question, why? Why did the king suffer? Is there any kind of reason for the king to die? Why did Jesus die? Isaiah gives us an answer. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The king suffered in the place of his people. He died to make God's enemies friends. We all are sinners. We all are God's enemies. An enemy of the holy God. Though we deserve the death penalty, Jesus took our place. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But, but God, but God shows his love for us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ died for you. The king died for you, for your transgressions, for your iniquities and sin. The king came to suffer. He came to wear crown of thorns. Jesus even rejected, if you remember, Jesus even rejected the aid of Peter, his disciple, when they came to take him. Peter took his knife and cut near of a man who was trying to take him. But Jesus rejected that. He had 12 legions, 12 legions of angels. One was enough, but 12 legions of angels at his disposal to protect him, but he didn't command them. 
He said no. He knew he should suffer. He knew he should drink the cup of wrath. For who? It's for you. It's for you, you that he died. The king must die for his people. There lies the man hanging on the tree. His mother watched her son die. Hearing him say, Mother, some of his disciples said in their head, There is our rabbi, there is a son of God. Mary, his mother, said, There is my son, my savior. The Roman said, There is the man who was a rebel. The Jews said, He is a blasphemer. After 2,000 years, here you are looking to his cross. Who do you say he is? Who is Jesus for you? Who is Jesus to you? Who is the man on that cross? One of the robbers who was crucified besides Jesus, who had the closest view ever of Jesus' physical humiliation. He recognized his true identity. He knew the man. Being tortured beside him was the king. He said, Jesus, Jesus, he was talking beside, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Your kingdom. He's acknowledging that he has a kingdom. You are a king, Jesus. Just remember me when you come into your kingdom. In his statement, he acknowledged that Jesus, Jesus is the king and also the suffering king not only dies, but will resurrect from the dead. The king has risen from the dead. He defeated death by rising on the third day. The king who has been humiliated is now glorified. Good Friday is good because of the resurrection. Jesus is alive. The king is alive. Death has kneeled down to him. Every authority has been given to him. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The humble king had one, had once entered Jerusalem, sitting on a donkey, but the second time, he will return sitting on a horse with great glory. The Bible, listen to this, the Bible tells us that the king is coming back. He's coming with the clouds and every eye, every eye will see him. Even, even John in Revelation made, made this specific. Even those who pierced him, those Roman soldiers who mocked and beat him, beat Jesus, beat the king, shall see his glory. Every eye will see him. They will once again say, hail the king of the Jews. But this time, not with mockery and scorn, but with fear and trembling. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. The king is coming for a second time. He's coming. He is returning not to wear the crown of thorns again, but to judge between good 
endeavor? Let me ask you this question. Are you with him or against him? Believe me, you don't want to be against this king. You don't want to be against the suffering king. If you are not in this kingdom, I plead, I plead to you to give response to the king through genuine repentance, turning away from your sin and having faith in Christ and his work for you, you can inherit the kingdom of God. You can be a citizen. Salvation is not of your work, but it, it is the work of God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. If you are already in this kingdom, be joyful and have a grateful heart for the king had saved his citizen by laying down his life. Do not, do not be ashamed of the crown of thorns. Do not be ashamed of the message of the gospel for it is the power of God to save sinners. It's the only way to save sinners. Do not be ashamed of the good news. The world might mock a humiliated king by thinking he's a fool, but not for long. Your king is coming. Your king is coming. Your king is coming. This might be your last Good Friday. Your king is coming. So citizen, Let's wait for our beloved Christ with holiness and prayer. Though he may look defeated, he has already won the battle. Yes, Alexander the Great was great. Yes, he was a good ruler. He was a great warrior. But he's dead. So are so other Kings are also dead. And he will give an account to the highest king. They will give an account to the highest king of all. All kings and rulers will come and bow down to the greater one. Other kings are called great rulers by killing. But Jesus is great because he died and defeated death.